Yo, this is episode 60-something of Invite the Neighbors. Um, I chatted over Discord with two of the members of Charmer from Marquette, Michigan. Um, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, uh, they have a new record called Ivy coming out tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm putting this out on Thursday. It comes out on Friday, uh, April 3rd, over, I believe, on, on I believe No Sleep Records. It's going off the top of my head, but we talked about um, you know the process of making this new record, um, how that compared to, you know, their old records. Um, also just like, I was curious what it's like to be a band up, up in bumfuck nowhere, Marquette, Michigan, you know, um, if you don't know where that is, it's in the UP way up at the top of the UP. Um, the only thing really going on up there is there's like a Northern Michigan university. And all I know of that is my ex-girlfriend's sister went there. And then I had a buddy there with her flunk out after half a semester because he drank too much, uh, five o'clock vodka. Anyways, we had a good time. I had a good time chatting with Charmer. Um, you know, we covered those things that I mentioned and also just some other shit. I don't know. Just listen to the episode. Also, um, if you're interested in local Michigan music, um, Out of This World Booking put out a compilation of all local Michigan acts. So check out the Out of This World Booking page, pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, figure out where that is. But um, it's on Bandcamp somewhere. Um, some really good artists and um on that compilation I happen to be friends with some of them which, which is so cool um so yeah check out Charmer they're dope um they have a sense of humor <laughs> which comes across it, it, I had a good time chatting with these guys and um hopefully you guys enjoy the episode and um uh, hopefully you guys are surviving during this quarantine it sucks but you know listen to the rest of the podcast and maybe that'll tide you over enjoy <laughs> Did you guys hear that voice that says now recording? Yeah. yeah. Does it play little, that for uh, you? Okay. Little recording Craig. Yeah, dude. I didn't I wasn't sure if uh anybody actually heard that outside of me because you guys are the first ones to actually laugh at it. I'm like because uh, I think it's hilarious every single time, but I don't know if like people know why I'm laughing. <laughs> don't have sense of humor. Dude, yeah. I mean, hopefully you guys do. Uh we can I'll try. tell you. Dude, I'll tell you from the get-go, like I've had uh this is the 60 62nd episode I've done and most of them are fun. Um but there've <laughs> been a couple times when like you can just tell that they're they're real serious and they, they don't have much of a sense of humor and it's just not fun. So Oh, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Okay. Actually, you should you should have waited seven more episodes so we could have been the 69th. Episode. <laughs> I think I think Summer Brews is probably gonna want that. Add that they, add that no, we want it. We're just gonna yeah. come back. We're coming back in seven you're, episodes. You're more than welcome to. I mean who wanted it? Uh I'm they had no one said anything, but I'm assuming like Summer Brews would be interested because they literally have like a light up sixty nine that they put on on their stage sometimes when I see them play. Yeah, you know you should tell them. <laughs> what? Tough luck. <laughs> <laughs> Lampooned them, dude. Yeah, I bet, so, I bet they uh, never even sixty nine. I bet they haven't even seen that number. Yeah, I've sixty nine twice already today. It's just <laughs> <laughs> dude, quarantine problems. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. man. Can you make sure that all this gets in the pod? It's all in the pod. We're recording, recording now. You heard that? I don't oh, yeah. edit, dude. Craig, Bob. I don't edit. Cool. Yeah, Craig I don't. Bob. I do. I I do. Especially doing Discord episodes now, like Craig mixes everything for me, so I don't have to do shit. And so, like normally, I have separate audio tracks for myself and for the guests. But like when I, you know, when I'm in person with Craig, homie just records everything and just mixes everything, and all I I just export the MP3 and I'm good to go. Seems like um, a really swell guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can see, but his uh, he's a very just like stern looking bear not stern but he just looks a little concerned like his profile photo is just like a bear cartoon bear looks oh, very he's concerned. a bear yeah yeah um yeah. you can anyone can add him um i kind of feel bad Some because like all he just exists for the sole purpose of recording and it just i don't know what else he does outside of this i feel like he's underappreciated but anyways we'll, we'll plug him <laughs> all right what are your uh is there just two of you guys right now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, what are your guys' names? Um uh, my name is David Daniel. 
David, and I'm Brian. And then your other band member doesn't have a name. That's fine. <laughs> I'm Nick. Okay. Um. So, I don't know if you remember, but um, the, the do you remember playing the the Scheme Thirteen, the block party that wasn't a block party in Ferndale? Yeah. yeah. So I was the dude. I had the podcast set up at New Way Bar, like at the table. I don't know if you guys remember that, but I was, was that uh, the same. Was that the same place we played at? Yep. New Way. Yep. Like right by. Okay, I'm uh, remembering where that was because all the plans got changed. Yeah, it was it was kind of a mess, but I love New Way Bar so much just because of like the sound guy. I think he's hilarious. Like he I don't know if you remember him at all, but he's like he's got a really impressive like Hawaiian shirt collection. Every yeah, time I'm there. You have long hair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I do vaguely remember that guy. Definitely been to a few Jimmy Buffett concerts in his day. Yeah, yeah. But um, a real a real parrot head, <laughs> real parrot head. A couple cheeseburgers <laughs> in paradise every now and again. <laughs> I didn't realize parrot head was like a term. That's great. I'm definitely yeah. gonna use that. Um, so how like what have you guys been up to as a band? Like with everything going on, have you guys had to cancel stuff or doing things oh, musically cancel, to stay productive? Cancel the cancel the tour. That was supposed to beginning at uh, like um, towards the end of April, and then uh, as far as a band, we haven't really. I've, the only band member I've seen is Nick. So oh, okay, we've all been kind of spread out. We haven't seen now, each where other do you, the lockdown. Where do you guys live? Marquette, Michigan. Okay, so way the hell up there up on, on Lake Superior. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where uh, Northern Michigan University is, right? Yep. Okay. So being from up there has like, what are some um, like when you guys, you know, play outside of your hometown, you know, cause I'm imagining that there's not a very dense, like emo music scene up in Marquette. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's not, there's never really any particular, like one style of music scene happening up here at a time, there's... unless it's like jam bands that totally suck or like, <laughs> americana whatever the fuck you want to call it type shit yeah yeah country i imagine country is probably pretty big up there based on my experience in marquette i don't know there's not there's not like enough people to have a scene right there's like kind of like one like we'll be lucky if there's ever like two bands doing the same thing at a time it's pretty gotcha yeah so so being from way way the fuck up there like how have you guys gotten to like how did you or initially when you first started out like how were you able to get um recognition or uh, just, the like, internet. build the, the internet. internet sure um the first year the band was around was like 2015 the summer of 2015 and that like first year we probably played locally like every month um something i would never do now but um just to like get out there and play shows and be present and then um that lineup of the band moved to New York and we played a shit ton of shows out there. Um, and then that lineup broke up and then Neil and I moved back home to Marquette and rebooted the band. And um, ever since then, it's just been exposure strictly from like playing a lot of shows in like tours, like just doing it all at once. And then when we're home, we're kind of chilling and then yeah, just touring. Gotcha. Yeah. So, like, on the internet, like, what what sort of like avenues do you use, like, within the internet to try just you know regular things like Bandcamp, or do you guys try to promote your music in a particular place on the internet? Uh, not really. Just uh, really rely on word of mouth more than anything. Um, we're act. I mean, we have profiles on everything. You should have a profile on, you know. Yeah. Um, but we don't do anything other than that. Yeah, yeah, I'm just curious because it's like, you know, personally, like I'm in a band and I'm like, I'm always trying to think of different ways to, it's, you know, to promote and things like that. It's, it's difficult, um, it's, but I couldn't imagine like being from way the fuck up in Marquette, you know? Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, we definitely work hard, but it's definitely a lot of luck along the way, you know? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And do you feel like, you know, playing out in New York, um, did that kind of 
I'll, I guess I'll take a step back. Like, what what prompted you guys to to go to New York in the first place? Um, one of our one of the members in the original lineup was from there, and uh, we just oh, okay. all graduated from college, or some of us did. So once that happened, we had no really reason to stay. So we just relocated for you know just to be in a better location yeah. to play more shows with uh, more relevant acts. And we made a lot of contacts out there for sure. Were you guys like in um, New York city proper or were you just, no, we were in uh, upstate New York. Actually, we couldn't afford to stay in New York city. Yeah. That's what I was curious. Cause like one, the cost of living in a place like that, but also just like logistically, whenever I go to a, like a really big city and you know, it's just, I can't. I just think about like man. Imagine trying to like orchestrate having a band practice, like in traffic like this when everyone's living in apartments. Probably have to like rent out a studio space or something just to practice. Like, I could even. It, just, it seems like a nightmare. Like that seems like that would be the move. Like once you've quote unquote really made it, you know, like then it would be sweet if like you could afford to, you know make everything easy for yourself and you could just like, you know, afford all those things that I just mentioned. But before that, like when you're in the grinding away phase, I, it seems like a nightmare. We get anxious just playing in the cities, like trying to find parking and all that. Like, yeah, such a stark contrast from what we're used to. I can't imagine living in a city like that and trying to be in a band. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be crazy. Also like, you know, just like you hear too much about, bands who get their shit stolen you know and i feel like playing in a city like that you know you're obviously you're just going to up your chances of getting things taken from you and you have to be hyper vigilant it's just all around Seems i'd like be devastated wild. Anything stolen from us <laughs> i just i was on tour with another band just a few months ago and that and i got my shit stolen we like flew to california and everything i brought with me that wasn't music equipment thankfully but um you know, all my belongings were stolen. Damn. Sucks. But you don't even have to worry about that where we live, you know, so it's... I can't even remember the last time I locked my car at night. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Out there, Dave's car is totally up for grabs. Yeah, there's and, a lot of, and, there's and a lot of sick shit in there, too. Really score big. <laughs> so, is, um, does the whole band currently live in um, Marquette? Yep cool and so is that kind of do you guys have any plans to um relocate at any point or do you are you guys fairly comfortable you know being up there and just like hitting places on tour i don't think there's no um that's not been talked about i think we're going to be here for the foreseeable future um if there's any like if anyone leaves it's going to be for um other things than a band you know a band can operate in different places. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen other people do that. Like I have, you know, friends that are in bands where half of them live in like Nashville and then the other half lives in Kalamazoo. You know, I'm just like, God, somehow if you find a way to make it work, I can't really imagine it. But, you know, I feel like maybe once you're established a little bit, when you don't, have to like when you can kind of rely on a little bit of have like when you have a bit of a draw and you don't have to worry so much and you maybe you have this set down already you can just kind of get together the day or two before a tour and just like run through things and then be good to go yeah absolutely um and i think you know i always said it wants to be you know i really want to set ourselves up to a point where we're at that stage where you know if personally one of us wanted to go and, and pursue different things um you know, you shouldn't be limited because of like a, a band, like a DIY band you plan, you know, it's just, it's not logical. You can't hold yourself back for that. Right. Right. I mean, whether that be like an actual career career or just playing in another band or things like that, you know, the yeah. reality is there's always going to be downtimes in any given band, you know? So it, it kind of makes sense to have other things going so that one, you don't get burnt out. And two, so you can just like, you know, keep yourself afloat financially and otherwise. Yeah. And we, we, to be completely honest, we're pretty lazy, long stretches, periods of time where we don't even practice. Um, we usually work in like very specific time frames, um, whether it be rehearsing for a tour or 
writing new songs. You know, it's usually a very concentrated period of time where we're very active and yeah. then we'll have like, several months where we're just like practice here and there just to you keep know. it fresh. Yeah. Um, so I, I think th- that I think oh, it definitely function um, being far away. Yeah. Yeah. Once, like I said, once you, once you kind of established, um, you know, yourselves a little bit and, you know, you figure out what works for you as a band. And I think a lot of it too, will depend on like what the dynamic is in terms of like, um, how the songs are written. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you'll have one person that's doing a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to the songwriting. And then, you know, they'll they'll basically write the song and then they'll send it out to the band members to kind of fill their stuff in so if especially if you're in a band like that which i don't know what you guys are you can let me know but like if you're in a band like that you can just kind of it doesn't really matter where anyone is due to the internet you can just send out you know a demo of what you have for the song and then you can just have people fill it in and then remotely and then you guys get together you can actually piece it together as a band but i'm not sure how you guys work yeah we probably would never do something like that um just strictly because you know the best work usually comes out just being present with one another um but that's usually how our songs are formed you know it's like a shell or something and and i usually don't go too far in detail when writing a shell of a song just so there is room um i'll get you know a basic composition and chord structures and then present it to either nick or neil first and then start layering it up from there okay now, so I'm I'm assuming are you like the singer? I didn't I didn't catch what you just oh, said. I said uh are you the singer then? Yeah. Okay. So do you lyrically is it is it is that a collaborative process for you guys or do you just kind of as the singer write all the lyrics or how does that work for you guys? I, I usually crank that out at the tail end. Yeah, that I kind of feel you on that. <laughs> I I don't understand when like I hear people I, cause I'm the same way like I'll lyrics will be like the dead last thing I usually put it off I don't like writing them because it's just that's the most work you know but some people they'll have like the lyrics first and I'm like how do you do that I don't get that at all yeah I'm always just writing like a little you know if I think of something in a day I'll just you know write it in my notes on my phone and um, when it comes to time when we're writing songs and we have a batch of instrumentals that we like, that's when I'll start, you know, going through the notes and and pulling things out from there. And then I'll, I'll form the thematic of the song or the hook gotcha. of the song or that kind of stuff. You know, I usually pick from words. Yeah, no, I hear you. What were, um, you know, for both of you guys, like what were some of the uh, some of the would you say, like the influences for the the style of music that you play? Hmm. I mean, that's difficult because we all are into completely different shit. Yeah, I feel like everyone kind of brings something different, which I sort of think it's like evident when listening to our songs that like everyone's kind of pulling from a different thing if you're listening to the individual parts. But yeah, there's there isn't much that we all sort of agree on, I guess. Yeah. I think it's cool because we're definitely an emo band, but we don't really sound like another band. Um, correct. Yeah. But it, no, it, yeah, it, no, I listened to your little bit of your guys' stuff yesterday. And I, I kind of like, it's definitely like, it's reminiscent of things. If you, you know, if you will, like it, you can tell like there's certain like emo influences and things like that. You can kind of hear influences, but there's not like a, you're not a carbon copy of somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times you do run into that nowadays. Um, oh, dude! Yeah, it's oversaturated with you know twinkly <laughs> or, um, bands. It's just so I kind of like that, and I like that sense, and that's why, like, when writing a song, I do leave so much leeway to let you know each individual in the band shine through with their influence, and I think that's the only way we get the sound that we get. You know, it's not like a planned thing ahead of time. That's like, oh, the song's gonna sound like this exactly. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. Um, cause there's definitely multiple ways of doing it, you know, like there's, there's the way you just described. And then there's the way I described before where it's like a more of like a soul songwriter approach and you kind of have to get your group of people together and just figure out like what's going to work for that group. Because sometimes you might run into people where they don't 
really want to take much of a role in songwriting. And if you don't have somebody that's like wants to do the bulk of it, then you're going to be slacking. But and on the other hand, you know, you might be wanting to be in a collaborative environment, but you might have people that want to take a more heavy handed approach with it. So it, it can be difficult in like the formative stages, I feel like, to uh, figure out what works for you. But once you do, you're, you're good, you know? Yeah, it took us. A, I mean, it definitely took us a while to find our groove. Um, but once we got it, you know, um, when we're all focused in the room, you know, it, it it shows that we there's definitely some chemistry. But then other times we'll get together and <laughs> it's pretty funny because we'll just be so off from one another. And, and you're like, OK, well, today is just not that day. Yeah, I mean, as with anything, it's like, you know, getting in a routine obviously helps, you know, which I think is usually the way we do things like if we if it's time to write a record or whatever, we really dedicate that time to doing just that, which I think helps um, for, you know, makes for stronger songs. I feel when you have the routine down and everyone's kind of in the same frame of mind. Yeah. Like when you guys set, set out to like write a record, do you have, do you, do you discuss beforehand, like thematically, if you're trying to go for anything or like sound wise or like, do you have just a, a direction in mind or you just kind of see what happens in the moment? Um, no, I think, well, for this record, you know, we, there was a lot of ideas that we'd work on for two practices and then you'd never touch them again. Um, yeah. And then maybe revisit parts or section of those. And then um, some of it gets used and some of it doesn't like there was, there was probably like, seven or eight riffs or instrumentals that we didn't even move forward with for the last record, for an example. Um, so it's more of a matter of like making, you know, like presenting a lot of ideas to work with and then kind of honing it down and be like, okay, let's work on this group of songs. Gotcha. This has like the similar feel going on. And um, I think the next time we sit down and actually, um, right we're gonna really be going through that again because i think there's gonna just be like two groups of songs and they're each gonna be polar opposites so i can see like um us splitting those up pretty heavy too and doing like separate releases because together they wouldn't really coexist um but we'll see how that all ends up yeah so i i kind of see what you're saying like so you at least do have like uh, like a you know you're conscious of you know wanting there to be like a, a cohesive feel to it instead of just like a, a randomly thrown together group of songs because yeah, sometimes you know we're definitely more uh, of an album band yeah that's good i mean that's that's what i like man like i with any i was just talking to a buddy yesterday like when people just i don't understand the types of people and i'm not knocking anybody you know what i mean but i'm just saying i don't understand the, being able to just like sitting down with like a new record for the first time and just like randomly like playing it on shuffle or something, you know, like I, I feel like you need to give a record a, a once through like the way the the musician kind of intended. And then just to, you know, just to get the the feel of what they were trying to do, you know, and then from there, do what um, you I, want, but like, that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I fully agree. I, I mean, I'm notorious for not knowing song names, but I could tell you exactly what number song it was on the album. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't want to speak for Nick. I think Nick's pretty similar in the same way. We don't listen to individual songs. Um, yeah, I definitely will. Let, I mean, I've got albums that I've that. Yeah, it's like I don't. I couldn't even tell you like what what song is what by the name because I've just listened to the album so many times. Yep. You know. I don't really have a particular favorite song. I'm just content with, you know, sit with full 40 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It can be frustrating sometimes actually. Cause like, I'll want to tell somebody like, Oh, I really, really like this song. You should listen to it. And then they're like, Oh, what's it called? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Actually. <laughs> they're like, how do you not know? <laughs> no, that's me all the time though. Yeah. Um, so how long you said you started out in, in 2015. Yeah. So how, um, has there been a difference in like the subject matter of the music, like between what you were writing then? And I guess what I'm asking is like, how, uh, how do you feel that your music has aged as you guys have, have grown up a little bit? Um, it has a little bit. Oh, with this last album, uh, personally, I was like dealing with bad writer's block 
So I feel like I kind of, I I don't want to say dumbed down my lyrics, but like I, I kind of decided to go a route where I like concluded subjects that were, you know, um, I don't know, saying about in our prior discography. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, I'm just because like, when the band started, I was like 21 and I really, you know, enjoyed a lot of the lyrical content and email music. But as I get older, I, I find myself, you know, really not enjoying a lot of it and don't relate to a lot of it. Um, yeah. And I even listen to our, you know, old Charmer songs. and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. That's, um, but I think that's just yeah. normal development of a, a songwriter. Yeah, no. Yeah. And I, I wasn't, you know, that wasn't to suggest that like you had some cringe shit or something. I just know that like personally, like I'll listen to, I'll go back and like read lyrics that I wrote in like, you know, like five, six years ago or something. And I'll be like, good God, I'm so glad he's <laughs> never like made it to the public eye. Yeah. Cause I feel like, you know, personally, I feel like I'm at kind of like a spot where I look back on things I maybe did a couple years ago and I'm, I'm starting to not hate it. <laughs> like I, like I normally would have. Cause like, I think between the ages of like, 21 to like 26 at least for me it was like every year i would look back at what i was like the year before and just kind of cringe like oh my god like so naive but i feel like now i'm getting old and like you can not really but like you know you start to you kind of just become yourself and then you just are yourself the the growth slows by a lot i think in a in yeah, kind of a good way you got to think about where you were at at the time too you know that. yeah like I wouldn't hang out with myself when I'm twenty when I was twenty one. No, I would slap him in public. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know how old you are, but like I'm twenty six now. Nick's twenty eight now. So to look back on it, and I feel like we've both been doing it for a long time, and we were doing it, you know, before Charmer for a long time, and many different things. Um, it's really funny to reflect, and, and there is so much growth within those time periods um, when we meet, you know, newer, younger bands and they're so eager and excited. Um, like we don't, I don't have that anymore. Like, it's, so it's kind of funny to see them in it where you were, however long ago. Yeah. I mean, I'm 29 and I'm in like a weird position to where like, I mean, I've been playing music for like a really long time, but I never seriously pursued it until like two years ago. And, you know, I've, since then I've had like a couple bands break up before they ever really got off the ground. But like, I'm finally to a point where I'm finishing up a record. So I'm like, I have a little bit of that, like naive eagerness, I guess, just because I'm finally getting to the point where I'm like actually going to put music out into the world. And just like, it, you know, it's exciting for that to finally happen. So I kind of have a little bit of that naivety, but at the same time, I kind of have the, uh, awareness of a grizzled old man um but yeah so you get kind of the best of both worlds yeah yeah you know in a way in a way playing in a couple different bands has helped too like i joined another band like in my band i write all the songs i'm very i don't know just very uh particular about things so i have to have at least one project where i kind of like spearhead all everything but then i'm in another band where i just play guitar i don't do shit you know everyone like i i mean i help i write my own parts but it's nice yeah. to be able to just like chill and not worry about yeah, that's, songwriting. That, that's, that's my personal dream of mine. Um, Nick and I have been spending, you know, we spent, you know, the winter and early spring recording a couple other bands and even doing that, working with other artists and seeing how their brain works and where they took their songs, you know, and, and Nick plays in, you know, three or four bands. He plays in, several bands always at a time so he's always getting that um but for me when i work with anyone else um i pull so many elements from that and then i can interpret it in my own music later um that i normally wouldn't in my group because you know it, you get very i don't know you get in your routine and, and you get patterns and you go to things that are safe and feel comfortable with you so it's hard to push out you know and branch out to try other things yeah no, I totally get it. And I think too, like to kind of take it the other way, like working with other bands can kind of help you bring a different approach to your own project. You know what I mean? Like just, just as like when you're in someone else's project, you try to like, um, you know, explore the like, different parts of your, you know, your creative 
side, I guess, that wouldn't necessarily fit with like the music that you're making in your own project. But you might find that like when you go back to your band and you start writing new music, that it'll have a little bit of the flavor of what the stuff you're doing on the side. I mean, you know, not not necessarily, but that's definitely a possibility that I think could be beneficial. Yeah, totally. I totally feel that like playing between like sometimes if I'm like really going with, you know, three bands at a time or something, it's really like sort of a it takes a while to kind of hit a point where you're kind of feel like you're doing the same thing for every for each different like project, if that makes sense. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, I'll spend more time playing with Charmer and then go play with another band. And it's like you must have to completely change your whole way of thinking to kind of fit the feel of another project. Yeah. 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 Like if luckily, like I, I just have like two very, for me, it's, it's, it's basically split down the middle between two different things. One being like uh, a lyricist, like songwriter approach where like I write the guitar parts I'll write are like more rhythmic and just based just like used to structure the song and i can't like really play technical shit and sing at the same time i'm just my brain doesn't work that way so it's just simpler stuff and then when i play in the other band i heavily just leads i just play a ton of lead parts and i get so i can kind of get my rocks off on both ends of the spectrum (laughs) shred it up bro shred it up (laughs) 69 bro yeah i don't know like i kind of feel like being in a few different bands, like I kind of feel like, uh, and this is probably the case for a lot of people, like you're kind of at your strongest when you like reach that like homeostasis between like a few different bands. And that's like, you know, I feel like that's where like some, some sort of an original sort of style or idea can come from, you know, when you're, when you're really sort of uh, blending those experiences into something. Yeah. Totally get it. Um, curious like back to the lyrics a little bit like as far as um because you know you mentioned i'm not gonna have you name names or anything like that but sometimes like that you don't really like relate with a lot of um the lyrical content of like emo bands as much as you maybe do when you're younger but curious if there's any any artists out there they don't have to be like emo or anything but if there's artists out there whose lyrics that you feel maybe influence you guys or that you are just fond of I, I like asking people just like about different lyricists that they like um, recently um i don't know if i pull too much from i i pull a lot of a lot of influence instrumentally from bands um but i don't know if i pull a lot of lyric inspiration from another bands because um i have a really hard time even liking a song or enjoying the song if it, if it if it's not touching base on something that like gives me an image in my head or something that is like something that I personally have been an experience with, you know, like I have to relate yeah. it to myself. And, and if, you know, I've made songs um, that were good, but I just, they're all just made up, you know? Yeah. And those songs never even come to life because like, I don't pursue them any more than that because I just, it really just didn't matter to me. Yeah. No, that makes um, sense. I think, like, for me, I would say, like, um, other lyricists will ins- will influence me in that, like, if I see, like, if I read really good lyrics, it makes me want to go write. It's kind of almost like a competitive thing in my head. Not that music's a competition by any means, but, like, that's kind of what drives me. Yeah, it's like, like, seeing that, like, oh, these... You know, it's just kind of like a belief in yourself as a as an artist that you kind of have to have, you know, like and for me, it kind of drives me like I'll hear something that's good and I'll be like, shit, well, you know, I I should be included in this group of people making good music. You know, I mean, I want to be a part of this so badly. So like that'll drive me to like, you know, go get back to writing sort of thing. Yeah, I can. I, I mean, I totally relate to that. Um, I'm super insecure with all my music. Um so for our album that comes out on Friday, you know, like I'm just waiting for that to be out because once it's out, it's out. Like I can't do anything about it. Um, right. But then once it's out, you know, you'll have the people that tell you how good it is and how much it means to you. And, and they give you that reassurance like consistently. And you're like, okay, maybe it's not bad, you know? Um, yeah. And that's good. But up until that point, you know, I'm also 
as insecure as ever um, about it. Yeah, I, I I hear that a lot, to be honest. Um, you know, not that that should come as a shock or anything like that. Like a ton of us are just like insecure in general. Um, sometimes I have almost the opposite problem where it's like, I'll, I'll hype something up in my head too much. And I'll think that, I mean, I, I don't know because like, I haven't put out actual music as like an official release, but like I'm where my worry comes in is like, I don't want to be like overhyping it in my head and like getting so excited yeah. about it and only to be like let down. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I think that, I think like either way, like, I'll get like uh, I'll have a song at home and I get super excited. And there's been times where like I'm so proud of it and I'll show Neil to Neil it and he's just like, "This sucks, dude." And I'm like, "Oh god!" <laughs> and I, just, like, <laughs> I like throw it away and never touch it again, you know. And and then that's so I feel like I, I go through that within my bandmates, you know. It's it's I I feel like I have a hard time convincing my bandmates of a lot of ideas, um, and that's a good thing. It, it just gets rid of the bad ideas right off the bat. Yeah, no, I yeah, that's it's good to have. Definitely good to have. Um when now you said you guys have recorded other bands. Do you record your own stuff or do you guys work with a particular producer? Um for the our recent record, we work with Brett Romness in uh the barbershop in New Jersey. Okay. And it was a phenomenal experience. He's like he's like one of those people that he's just such a good human being and so talented. Like it was just truly really memorable just being around him for two weeks straight working on music like very inspiring um to see someone at that point of his career like and just how his brain worked it was yeah i don't know I, I can't speak more highly of him really so was getting set up with him was that somebody that you guys chose i'm not sure if i haven't looked into it but like i don't know if you guys are on a label maybe a label set you up or you maybe you admired his work i'm just curious like how you got set up with that particular guy um he's recorded a lot of similar bands yeah he's, heart, been, he's in the scene right now yeah how mulligan and heart attack man did their records with him oh okay he's worked with like a lot of new jersey bands like he he worked on like brand new science fiction he's worked with oh really john nolan of like taking back sunday and like anthony nary of bayside and he plays in i am the avalanche and the movie life and he's just like an og um, and then I think you seen, um, yeah, I think I'm that kind of ringing a bell. I, uh, I've been wanting to, um, I'm hoping that like when this record I'm making is done of actually working with, uh, getting it mastered at, uh, the lumber yard, which is also New Jersey. Um, okay. I Ace, Enders, Ace Enders from the early November. It's his studio. Oh, okay. okay. I've heard that name. Yeah. And you know, that's just like one of those, like, old emo staples early november um so but was that the was that the first time that you worked with with him in that studio yeah for this record um the one prior we did we went to philadelphia and recorded uh with jake ewald at his studio in philadelphia so like what was the were they was there were the experiences like markedly different working with the two different producers or were there like some similarities or i'm just curious uh, like it was drastic um I, I would say there's little to no similarity between the two experiences we also had a lot more time this time around doing the new record than we did the first time oh okay first record was like four days yeah we just pretty much zoomed in there played the songs exactly as we had them and that was it whereas this time we kind of had an opportunity to um you know really fine-tune each songs song. yeah yeah, that makes sense. And now, do you guys? Um, I was just talking to a band about this yesterday, and like, because there's certain, there's two different types of people, you know, when it comes to this, you know, the type that is very comfortable with just like giving up the reins to the producer, and then the type that is just more like the producer within the band who like kind of already has an idea of how everything should be. So I'm curious, like, for you guys, were you, was it something where the your producer kind of. <laughs> was heavy handed and like, you know, really helping you craft the songs to a different extent or, did, you know, what was that experience like? Um, well, this time around, I think we were more prepared than ever. Um, as far as demoing out the songs, we had everything fully recorded before we went there in our own way. Oh, okay. Um, and, and Brett, he did a lot of production, but he never would change the song. He would just suggest things 
Um, and they weren't drastic changes. They were just beneficial to the song structure already itself. Um, yeah. He like never made it about himself. It was always like to better the song. Yeah. It was, it was easy to think of him as just kind of like being a fresh set of ears, you know, and having an idea. It's not like he was trying to like override the whole idea of the song or anything like that. Yeah. I gotcha. I like, I like working with people cause like I'm the type where I'm, I, I think my, the way I approach things from like, like a, a producer's mindset. So like, I, I kind of have an idea of how I want things arranged and things like that. But I have, when it comes to like, the technical side of sound engineering. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing at all, really. Yeah. So <laughs> I've enjoyed working with my producer. Like I've worked with a couple of different producers on this record just because it's like they know what they're doing in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to work with somebody and be like, all right, well, I kind of want this sound. And I was thinking maybe, you know, I'll just describe the sound or maybe like give them an example with a, with a, maybe like a, from another song that's already out or something. And then it's so cool for them to be like, all right, we're going to do this, this, and this. We're going to use this amp, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, <laughs> cool. And then it just comes out. Yeah. You know? And, and it, it, honestly, those people are, it's great to work with them. Um, if they're invested, is it invested as it in it as you are, you know? Um, yeah. That shows in the final product. And so did you have, um, did you have all the lyrics and stuff already done? Before you um, no. Um, I think a lot of it was done in the studio. Really? Yeah. That's, um, well, see, that's so, interesting. Well, like I, I would say like, a, you know, 75% of it was written. Okay. And then there was two songs that I did entirely in the studio. Um, and then there was a couple songs that I changed them almost fully while there. So, um, yeah. You know, once we kind of saw the form, the, the record is taking shape. Um, adjustment. We know we adjusted accordingly. Yeah, that, that's good to be able to kind of do that on the fly, you know, because like you said, if once it starts taking shape and, you know, you start to get an idea, um, I guess like maybe aesthetically or thematically, like what it's going to be like, it's good to be able to kind of like, you know, have the flexibility and not be so married to every single idea that like you can't make changes that are for the, you know, the betterment of like the record as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So is this a full length that you guys are doing? Yep. Cool. Um, and I'm looking at your Spotify. I'm looking at your uh, self-titled, and you have like really short songs. Is that something that uh that you guys kept up with, or have you like? Is that like? A, I'm just curious if that's like a thing that's like very specific for you guys, or have you like written longer songs on this one? They're pretty short on this one too. Yeah. I hate hearing the same thing twice. I hate choruses. So, you know, just get it to the point. <laughs> yeah, the first record is a lot of like not a whole lot of repeating parts and songs. It's kind of just like a one, two, three, four kind of structure. Yeah. No, I dig that. Uh, definitely like I can completely relate in my own songwriting. Like I, if I do repeat a part, it's in like a different way or like something, something has to be changed. You know what I mean? Like it cannot. I'll I'll lose my mind. Like I'm so ADD. Like if I, like you said, like if the record, if a chorus just repeats exactly the same, like what, like no one needs that. Like where's I just feel like there's no imagination in that. Yeah. And like I, I grew up kind of listening to a lot of like say anything. I was going to bring up say anything eventually. Like is a real boy was one of my absolute favorite. Definitely one of the biggest like formative influences ever was uh-huh. was that record and the song structuring was just so unique like even when there were parts yeah, repeated you know it's just different I definitely take it, a lot of influence from that record i would say yeah so what was it like how did i saw that max had uh commented on something on twitter or tagged you guys about something like what what happened with that um i released a cover of one of his songs and uh um, oh, okay he just retweeted it and you know said he was honored and i was like oh that's you know that's really cool and then um the next day he subtweeted our new album the next day and plugged that um and then one thing led to another and i actually got in contact with him last night and we were chatting for a while and um it's cool that's pretty awesome 
yeah so it, it's pretty cool to be able to just casually chat with someone that you know was very influential for me growing up and even wanting to play music in the first place so it was cool yeah i think like what i found is if you don't if you just treat them like people and you don't treat them like even if they're your heroes you know if you don't if you just treat them like another human being you know chances are you'll probably be able to have you're more likely to be able to have like a genuine interaction whereas like if you're just fawning over somebody i i just can't imagine that being comfortable for them you know yeah absolutely and I feel like maybe it's a bit unfair. Not saying that this this is about Max Beam as a particular, but I think like sometimes celebrities will get a bad rep or the people think they're an asshole or something when really they might just be really have like a ton of anxiety and they just don't like being overly complimented. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I just think that's just one thing to one thing I've kind of realized, like especially doing this podcast, like I've I've talked to a bunch of not like famous bands, you know what I mean? Like, I guess like moderately successful bands, like famous in that, like when they go to a show, like people, strangers know who they are sort of thing, but you can still walk the street and, be, and no one knows who the fuck you are, which I think is the perfect setup, honestly. Yeah. But I find that, you know, it's, I mean, it's so cliche, but just everybody's just a person, you know what I mean? Like people get put up on pedestals and it, they, they shouldn't be. I'm really horrible at that. I'm a huge fanboy. And I have yeah. to scare uh, people, <laughs> dude. My, my I, I get it. Band, my all-time favorite band uh, uh, allegedly knows of me, and uh, and I'm. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're super stoked on the fact that I'm as big of a fan as I am. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Who is it? Uh, I don't know if I should say. Oh, okay. They're called they're called Vaz. Baths? Vaz V A Z. Oh, okay. No, I never heard of them. They're uh they're like old school guys. Like uh they had a band in the nineties called Hammerhead. That was oh, a sweet. pretty like influential noise rock band, and then they started another band after that one broke up, but Gotcha. Yeah. So um how long was the tour supposed to be that you guys were gonna go on? Just two weeks. Two weeks? Okay. Have you guys ever toured longer than that? Or do you find that maybe you have like a is two weeks like the sweet spot? Or like what's the ideal length of a tour for you I guys? Know. I think the longest we've done is like three and a half weeks. We've done that twice. And that was, you know, lengthy. Um, we did them in, you know, small vans with all of our equipment and four dudes and no AC. Oh, so Jesus. We, we, we've yeah, done the, the amazing thing is that we did a we did a U.S. tour in a Mercedes Benz Sprinter van, <laughs> and it was incredible. I mean, you should have seen it. It was nuts. I mean, it was so. Yeah, that's sick. Did you see that? Did you see that article on Business Insider? No. It was like how one U.S. band toured the United or toured the United States in a Mercedes Benz Sprinter van. And it's like this giant van that's like totally fucking pimped out. Yeah. Like, I don't know a band that has even toured in a van that nice. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's awesome. But what do you guys, uh, business insider to hit us up? I guess. Yeah. Maybe, maybe business insider will write a nice little jaunt on us. In our van for a back. second i thought that that you meant you guys i'm like business insider wrote about you guys no no i was just very <laughs> uh that article because it was kind of making the rounds on the internet a few days ago. Uh, i gotcha what are you guys working with now for uh for a van oh it's a it's a doozy it's a 2004 gmc safari sick yeah it's pretty sick it's like an astro van it's got neon blue lights Purrs like a tiger. Fuck yeah, dude. Joe Exotic up in this piece. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I know everybody's talking about that and it's just cliche, but I've been telling everybody I'm on fucking Tiger King. You can't can't not talk about it. I'm on episode five right now. I understand don't want to like bandwagon or whatever and not talk about it, but it's, it's pretty amazing. How do you not talk about badass shit? Dude, the the best part, the best one is the guy who the Bhagavad guy, who's just like he has like this. He's Joe Exotic, but like 
the you know the rich version and he <laughs> the whole version of Joe Exotic. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's he's fucking got, like, hilarious. He's got like houses for all his wa- No. Are you talking about like the, the Doc Antle? Doc Antle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bagavad Doc, Doc Antle, that's his name. Yeah. And he's got like houses for all his Dude, wives. I saw <laughs> yeah. I saw a picture. I saw a picture the other day. It's um like so Britney Spears did a performance at the MTV Music Awards and in like Doc 2000, and Doc, Doc Antle was stage. handling the t- stage. No shit. Yeah. Wow. That's dope. Like he's a he's a legend, man. He's something. Yeah, he's I listen. I don't know how like into like the comedy world you guys are, but like I one of my favorite comedians, uh, his name's Theo Vaughn, and he uh, he does this podcast that's really funny called This Past Weekend, and um, his most recent guest was was uh, Doc Antle. So if you're interested in and hearing that, I would highly recommend that. That's that's a good listen. Theo Vaughn was the one that used to do a bunch of drugs and doesn't anymore. Um. Yeah, I I don't think he did, uh, did a bunch of drugs. Um, he's got like a mullet. He, yeah, he's definitely has a mullet. He's like he champions the fuck out of the mullet, dude. Um, oh yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Theo Vaughn. Yeah, he had a horrible drug habit. <laughs> that was like his. <laughs> I never heard of him, but I got to check out this uh, Doc Antle well, feature. Yeah. Yeah. I know he he like he did like he had like a cocaine problem for a while. I feel like um, most comedians do, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting too. Cause like my absolute hands down, like favorite comedian, even like favorite celebrity, like speaking of being a fanboy, like I'm a giant fanboy for Chris D'Elia and he is like, he's a comedian where everybody who doesn't like not a fan of him will just look at him or like watch five minutes of his stand up and be like, Oh yeah, that guy not only does blow, but sells it, but he's like never, never touched a drug in his life, which I think is, <laughs> Those people fascinate me, dude. Chris D'Elia, um, you said. Yeah, Chris D'Elia. He's he's pretty famous. Like if you if you saw his face, you'd probably know who he was. He's he's been on like network TV and shit, but he's just a, re- a really funny stand up. And uh, his his podcast called uh, Congratulations was what kind of got me into podcasts in the first place. Okay, so, it's weird because like I I listened before I started doing this podcast. You know I. I haven't even been doing it for a year. It'll be a year in May. Um, I listen to almost exclusively comedy podcasts all day, every day. Just and somehow that what, what inspired kinds? me to. What ones? Um, congratulations, with Chris D'Elia. Um, Fighter and the Kid is a good one, which it's a comedian Brian Callen, and then uh, former UFC fighter Brendan Schaub. They have like a lot of really good guests. You know, I listen to Joe Rogan if, if he has a good podcasts. What? It seems like UFC guys love going on podcasts. Yeah, yeah, you'll see it a lot. But Brendan Schaub, like he he retired from the UFC and he's a stand up comedian now. So he it's kind of like more comedy, but he does like a separate UFC pod. I don't know, it's a whole thing. But um, yeah, just no. We listen to a lot like, of podcasts on the road in general. So and audiobooks. and audiobooks. So we're all about it. Oh, dude, yeah. If you ever. Ever need a comedy podcast recommendation? Just hit me up, dude. Um, oh yeah. But um, what kind of stuff do you guys? What kind of podcasts do you guys find yourselves listening to when you're on on the long road drives? Yeah, we have to recommend listening to Travis Barker's autobiography. Yeah, it's really too, it's too yes. funny. The guy and that narrates it is a legend. You can get it on Audible, and you can get a free trial or whatever, and download it. It's pretty. Sick. It's pretty incredible. It's like twelve hours of Travis talking about how much <laughs> sex he has, and yeah. it's hilarious, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> it's incredible. It kind of uh, tells the story about him, but it mostly just talks about how much he has sex. Another good one is uh, the Marilyn Manson autobiography. That one's so good. Ooh, I could see that. I could see which that is a similar good. sort of thing. You know, his is more like a, how much drugs he has done. Yeah, like he's one where like I've I've gone on like. Uh, Wikipedia deep dives on for Marilyn Manson because he's just such an he's such an enigma. You know what I mean? And because it's like you see him, you're uh, you know he's you're clearly correct. a provocateur, and you hear him talk in interviews, and he's like super articulate and just seems pretty intelligent. And, oh, the dude's and wicked he, smart. Yeah, watching it, watching interviews of him after the Columbine stuff is kind of amazing. Like on these like evangelical. 
or like, I guess, televangelist, like TV shows getting interviewed, totally being portrayed to be this like moron. And he's like totally speaking truth on TV, you know, in the face of these total freak evangelical old guys. Yeah, and, uh, dude. You know, it's like, I feel bad for him, but I said, it's crazy to think that, uh, you know, somebody in their early 20s under that much pressure at that level of fame going on a show like that and like standing up for themselves is like, I love watching those interviews. Him. Oh, yeah. Dude, have you, speaking of fucking televangelists, I'll, I'll tag you guys in this tweet because, uh, like <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone, have you heard of, uh, Kenneth Copeland, the televangelist? I'm not. Oh my God, dude. Okay. Yeah, I'll tag you guys in this. There's this, <laughs> there's this video. He's, he, he is Satan, dude. He straight up is Satan. Really Once like you that. see him, he, uh, it's just, cool yeah. And, and he's like, it's the video is him basically like praying and he's say, saying he's destroying the coronavirus over the TV. And if you <laughs> call in and leave a donation, he'll he'll kill the coronavirus like out of your system, sort of thing. Dude, fuck being in a band. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> this is just yes. the, this is just the, the the Brad like the bridge gap. Yeah. No, there will be no new trauma albums. We will only be on you know uh cable access television from yeah, now on we're gonna get uh famous from this one album yeah make curing, household names for ourselves curing disease and then uh yeah change your name to charmed like past tense Ooh, that's a good then, idea oh well, no because that's like that's satanic <laughs> that's satanic yeah oh is it oh true you know which oh. yeah 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 no, change it to blesser or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how are you? Uh, See, how are you spending your time in the quar? The quar, the the routine, dude. I uh, I've been doing a lot of this. Um, I my job is fucking. It will never be non-essential. I work for child protective fucking... services. Oh, okay. yeah. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, that would be great too. But uh, I mean. Yeah, so I I have a job, you know, but I work from home now, and it's we're barely getting any cases at all. Um, so I haven't got a new case. Today was the first new case I got in like two weeks. Normally get one like almost every day. So I just been chilling, dude. Been um, I've been able to get a lot of bands uh, scheduled for the podcast that uh, I haven't been able to in the past because you know bands are busy, and I before I didn't really like to do um, internet episodes because I I really prefer like the the in-person experience you know yeah i just feel like you know i like to have bands perform too like i'll have bands come on like they'll do like tiny desk type performances in my living room so i like i like having that but you know with with everybody just being at home i'm like fuck it i i gotta just you know hit this internet thing hard so just been trying to line up things for line up bands and finish you know the record i'm working on taking for goddamn ever but that's good you gotta grind yeah yeah i mean i'm super grateful man like i like i think about like just the fact that you know i think i try to i stress this a lot i've said this a million times on previous episodes but like i really think it's important for musicians to like in order to like cope with the grind to just have a sense of gratitude that like of all the things you could have been in your life you know you get to play music and in any capacity you know that's something to be like just conscious of yeah so like you gotta I, remind yourself yeah it's like whenever it sucks you just you know i kind of try to tap into that a little bit and you know one day like if you know if either you or i or anybody who like actually fully makes it to where you want to be like you'll look back you'll be able to look back and uh at the times that sucked a lot and like kind of laugh at them so if if that does happen, I want to be able to look back and say that like I enjoyed those times rather than like I was just like couldn't wait for them to be over. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And it, and it's really easy to lose sight of it. Like sometimes I'll just randomly think about something that happened three years ago when we were on tour, and I just like am laughing my ass off to myself. And it's like, oh, good for me. I have that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um. So fond memory time. What of uh. What have been some of like the, you know, in the five years or so that you guys have been a band, like what have been some of like the 
maybe like top highlights, like maybe people you've got to play with, venues you've played, and just things like that. Um, I don't, I don't really think about that a lot, to be completely honest. Um, you know, like recording our last album in New Jersey for two weeks for me, like that was the most recent thing, but like that was the coolest experience musically I think I've had just, um, because of how much I learned, um, from it. Ah, yeah. Um, um, but otherwise, I mean, there's probably endless stories that we could tell. I don't really know what's coming off the top of my head. Think, uh, maybe I'll oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. What were you gonna say? Oh no, I was just thinking maybe like um more specifically, like maybe to narrow it down a little bit, if maybe if you've like got to meet a band that you liked or maybe like somebody you expected a certain band to be a certain way, but they ended up like surprising you like when you met them or you know, just interesting. I had kind of a crazy experience in a different band I play in recently. I, uh, <clears throat> my whole life, like my favorite guitar player is this guy, Scott Weinrich. They call him Wino. He's like a, you know, his, his, he was like the singer in St. Vitus. who was like on SST records, like with like black flag back in the day. Okay. Um, uh, I was playing in a band. We opened for like the new Fugazi offshoot band with like Joe Lally and Brendan Canty. They're called the Mesthetics. Okay. And, uh, Joe Lally used to release all Wino's records back in the day on his own record label. And I kind of figured a guy like that would, wouldn't want to take the time to just chat about something like that. And when I mentioned Wino's name, he just like went off for like 45 minutes about their friendship and stuff. And oh, that's uh, awesome. It was fucking crazy. I couldn't believe it. That's so, awesome. So I can just quit playing music forever. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm already, I'm already over it. Well, I, I mean, hearing hearing the thing about chatting it up with Bemis, like that would probably be my moment where, like, you know, all right, kill me, I'm good. Like, I I don't know how I would avoid. I wouldn't be able to avoid t- talking about is real boy. I would have to bring it up. Like, and even though he knows, like, I've been a say anything fanboy forever, and like he like i've listened to even the, the new album and i read that like i don't know if you're aware like he wrote that letter to the fans kind of like explaining say anything coming to an end sort of thing and i was aware of that um so yeah even the fa- he liked the uh, the tweet i sent you and like even that was like holy fucking shit you know i was just like losing my mind and yeah, i felt like an idiot because i'm a 29 year old man like you know freaking out over like some dude in his you know, in his home office, like just clicking a button, but that's, what's cool about music, I guess, you know, it, it brings you these experiences that you probably would definitely would never have without it. And it's through something that's just fun to do. Yeah. It's a cool, it's a cool aspect, especially if you're like a, a you know, a fan of music, you know, it's like, that's the only reason I like to play music is so I could potentially make some sort of a connection you know, not even like a professional connection, but just like, you know, have a story about some some band you've been listening to since you were a kid. Yeah, you know? connection or experience or it's yeah. just it's all really cool. I mean, and there's definitely been a lot of those moments, I would say for sure. Yeah. And um I, I yeah, I just think that like, you know a lot of people, you know, you you might raise a few eyebrows when you when you first make the decision to like seriously try to be a band and have that be your career you might you know concern some people or you might you know like i said you might raise some eyebrows because it's a risky endeavor you know but i just think about it like you know i want to be able to look back on my life and think like wow like you said i have a lot of cool stories and just be like all right well you know regardless of like how much money i made or anything like that it was doing the coolest thing i could imagine doing and yeah. you know, having a lot of fun, making a lot of memories, and like every time you make a record, that's yours forever, dude. Like you don't have to give that away. Like you just have it now. Like that's, it's all the work is just worth it because you just, it's just there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, but I do have to wrap it up. I have to get going. I got some work to do. I gotta go to my girlfriend's house so we can shelter in place together. Um, tell her we said hi. Yeah, tell her we said oh, both said hey. Yeah, I'll say it just like, hey. <laughs> Give her a nice, um, like, touch on the shoulder. Yeah, a Joe Biden touch. Yeah, a Joe Biden. Yeah. 
Daddy Biden touch. Yeah, dude. I definitely will. Um, give her a sniff. Was <laughs> hey, way ahead of you, bro. Um, but um, yeah, you already sixty nine two times. Today, yeah, so twice. She's yeah, but I still haven't seen her. Don't tell her. <laughs> oh shit. I'd um, Biden. Good thing she doesn't respect me as an artist. Would never listen to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So just if you guys want to uh, plug real quick, like you know, you said the records coming out Friday. But if you know, just want to like, plug your social medias and stuff like that, so anybody can find you if they haven't heard of you before. Okay, Charmer from Marquette, Michigan. Instagram at Charmer Me. Twitter at Charmer. Charmer M I M I. Sorry. <laughs> new album coming out April 3rd on No Sleep Records called Ivy. It's good. Sweet. Sweet. That's a good plug, right. right? Yeah. No, I'd say yeah. I'd say that that about covers it. Vote for Bernie. So, yeah. Um Yeah. Um what else can I plug right now? Uh coronavirus healing is for sale on cable access channel 13. Uh, yeah, 4 a.m. next Saturday. Donate money to <laughs> my PayPal to be cured of the coronavirus. Yeah, although Kenneth Copeland um, is doing it in the name of Christ. So if you kind of want that insurance, go over to his page. But if you're just willing to do it from a, like a non-theistic Any? approach, follow Charmer Michigan. Yeah, and I think or that's probably the best I can do. Right yeah. <laughs> Well, all right. I'll let you. I'll let you guys know um, when I'm putting this episode out. It'll be either later this week or sometime early next week. So I'll, I'll tag you and everything, and I'll just I'll I'll let you know. Um. Yeah. Appreciate you guys coming on and everything. Hopefully, you guys keep yourselves occupied until the world fucking reopens again. Yeah. Thanks. Sure. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us on. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. You guys take care. See you, man. Yep. Peace.